90s Now with Kelly Alexander and Sharon Hyland. Hey, that's us. Kel, how are you? Magical times at the ranch. Oh, very good. Adam, you know how are you doing? I am so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's, uh, that's enough said about us. Kelly has something to say. Why are you so happy, Kelly? Because um, my toque is a little too tight, so everything <laughs> is rushing to my head. Oh, no. We'll see how long this show lasts. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> uh, we've got a, another big show today. we got cocaine to talk about. <laughs> We're just talking about it. We're not doing it. Uh, <laughs> Kelly and I had the great opportunity to talk to a big name in Hollywood and now an author. So we'll uh, play a clip of that interview and let you know where you can see the whole thing later. Um, and also talk about how uh, we'll tease you more on the potential of new music coming from one of our favorite blondes from the 90s. <laughs> I like that. Is that effective? <laughs> I have uh, shocking news as we go into our first um, topic, Sassoir, or today, I should say. I'm seated. Bring it on. So, yes. Um, for uh, what do you think? 25 years, we've been calling him AJ McLean. Yes. So I now have confirmation it's not that. What? So it is McLean. It is AJ McLean. So huh. when I made fun of that a few shows ago. You and I were saying, both wrong. Uh, and then I heard it again on another like promo for the show. And then I went looking mm-hmm. on like YouTube clips of Dancing with the Stars. I'm like, how are they calling him AJ McLean? Everybody's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so you got confirmation that not everybody is wrong, just we are. Yeah, we are. And I guess most of North America, I would say, um, has been wrong. Because I've only ever heard him announced for the most part as AJ McLean. But I was listening to, he has a new podcast that he's doing with Cheryl Burke. Mm-hmm. Um, his Dancing with the Stars partner, and also, surprise, surprise, full circle moment, Rene Elizondo, who happens to be Janet Jackson's ex-husband. He's on the show, too? Or he's, he's on the show, on too. Show? Yeah, they're all, because uh, I've known about this for a while, that um, Rene and AJ have been longtime buddies, and so their podcast that they have with the three of them is called Pretty Messed Up, and it actually deals, from what I understand, with recovery, because all three of them are former addicts. Okay. So, yeah. I have a mom- a thing then. Okay. I think his name was McLean, <laughs> but now he's McLean. Sharon, it must be uh, written in the stars. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, because I heard Renee actually announce, like, during the podcast, he's like, oh, yeah, AJ McLean. And I'm like, they've been friends for, like, 20 years, so I guess he's got that right. I would bet all the money in my pocket, like a, a five bucks, yeah. that uh, <laughs> that I'm right on that. Because if it's in line with him cleaning up, maybe, then why not, you know, go full in with the whole branding of your name and everything? Because you interviewed him. I did. And I said it out loud. And you called him A.J. McLean. Everybody else for the last 25 years has called him A.J. McLean. Yeah. But now he's off the powder. So. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, which is great. So we should talk yeah. about that, too, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, But I just wanted to pass that along because when I heard that, I'm like, well, it's his own show. And this is how Renee is saying his name. So I guess that's the way we say his name. So there Fair we enough. have it. I'm on board. Yeah. So uh, where would you like to start with his magnificent story? Because so I interviewed AJ about five years ago. I believe it was in 2015. And at that point, we all thought that he was... Um, sober. And I think he was sober to some degree, but it sounds like over the last several years, he's been slipping back and forth with that sobriety. And so it sounds like he really hit the wall or rock bottom uh, at the tail end of last year. 
and now he's managed to turn things around. And I think that explains why he got into shape uh, during the pandemic, because mm-hmm. um, I follow him on social media, and all of a sudden he decided that, uh, you know, he shared with his fans that he was going to get into shape. And I think there was two re- reasons for that. I think probably for his sobriety and also because he was getting ready to start Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. So that's that my sense. assumption. We can't confirm that, but that's my assumption. And so, yeah, so he's now uh, very seriously following his sobriety, which is great. And he had his rock bottom moment, which I believe involved his daughter, right, Sharon? Um,. I believe you're right. Yeah, I think in the the story that we read, uh, his daughter, uh, he came home from like a Vegas trip or something, and he was still inebriated on some level. And uh, his wife was not happy about that because they had a deal that he would never be around the kids if he wasn't great. And I think think it was his youngest daughter that said something to the effect of, um, yeah, she said it, you don't smell like my daddy. And then, Ooh, yeah. And was she, she was like three years old, right? Yeah, like she still is like, yeah, three and a half. So she's Ugh. still around that age. So like three, three and a half. And uh, he said that that was it. He said, I felt disgusting. And wow. so that was the beginning of him, I guess, really. And again, I'm sure in the past he had full intentions of staying sober. Um, but now I guess it was really his rock bottom. So I think he's eight months in now, something like that. Well, that's good. It's a it's a day to day, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I I I've not had to pursue the that uh, that road, mm-hmm. um, but I would imagine from what I've read and her, and heard from other people that have that it's day to day and yeah. sometimes hour to hour, mm-hmm. and sometimes minute to minute. Yeah, and, and it's you was find really your victories in there. That's it. It was really interesting too. I didn't get a chance to listen to the full episode, but. It sounds like, and I, I, I won't say this about Cheryl Burke because I'm not sure if she admitted this or not, but I know that both AJ and Renee have had relapses since they initially began their sobriety journey years ago. Yeah. And so um, I think that it's really wonderful that they were able to be that forthcoming so that hopefully they'll be of inspiration to other people. And I think it's a great podcast to have, like, because it's funny because when I saw the name, I was like, what could this be about? And then I was like, oh, my God, it's because they're talking about their sobriety and I guess the messed up state they had been, you know, a while ago. Well, good for them. Mm-hmm. There's there's strength in numbers and you yep. need support. So if you can find it and then convey that to other people who could use support from, you know, idols like them that have uh, have fallen, that are human and they prove that they're human. It's, uh, it's that's positive. Good for them for doing that. And I will say when I interviewed him uh, again several years ago, he was absolutely delightful. And no I doubt. really appreciated that because he wasn't like the biggest boy band you know, and it still continues because it's had a resurgence, obviously. Everybody loves BSB. And I think he knew, because they'd already had their downturn at that point. Because, you know, after the early 2000s, there was a period of time where nobody cared one way or the other if they were around. So the fact that they were able to resurrect that, I don't think that, well, I know for a fact that's not lost on him. Like, he really appreciates that he still has people caring about A.J. McLean. Well, I'm glad he's McLean. Yeah, me too. Good for him. (laughs) Yeah. Good for them. Are you ready for trivia? I am ready for trivia, and I'm super psyched to be able to bring that interview clip to our uh, to our listeners because it's a pretty, I mean, it's a big deal. We got to do it. It's a big deal for us, but it's a cool outcome, too. So uh, we'll get to that clip in a minute mm-hmm. or so. But, but first. But first, let's do this. 90s. <laughs> now. Trivia. Bing bong. Bing bong. You know what's interesting is that every week, the two of you do it in the exact same progression. I know. That's the fun of it. 
<laughs> the Bing Bong is like right. It's like Adam starts, Sharon finishes. It's, it's like, a big deal. That's it's why. a big deal. So here we go. I uh, went back because I wanted to make sure I had the correct score. So it's still eight nothing for Sharon. Eight um, only. I thought I that had would nine. be eight. Is it? Well, in the I have it at I have it at eight, and I re-listened to the last episode, and it still seems like you're at eight. And Adam, you need to. You need I to won't complain. Come together, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here is question number one. Adam, I feel like you have a fair shot at this. Thank you she very says much. that every week, everybody. You have a fair shot. Okay. <laughs> one day I'll stop disappointing you. Here we okay, go. Okay, great. Name <laughs> the memoir that Matthew McConaughey just dropped. He Matthew McConaughey his, he, dropped a memoir? He How is that his, a trivia question? Because it is it is a trivia question. Matthew McConaughey, who started his career in the 90s, has okay. now written a book. And oh, I went to the past. I don't know. Maybe it's called that. Sharon. <laughs> I, I thought, went to the past. Oh, I thought you were going to say, all right, all right, all right. Like, it should have been that. It's not that? <laughs> it's or not is it that. everything's going to be, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> no, Adam? I have no idea. Adam, I thought you're up to date with current pop uh, affairs. She threw you I a bone am, by asking but... you a modern question. I'm not the biggest Matthew McConaughey fan, though. You're not? He's a hottie. Uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nah. He also plays uh, Bongo's Naked. He apparently discusses turns that out, in the book. As it turns out, Adam doesn't think he's all right, all right. All yeah, right. exactly. So not even a guess, Adam. Throw out something. Um, this was my life. <laughs> no. Uh, it's called Green Lights. Oh, like yeah. the movie. Great. There we are. So <laughs> no one got anything on that one. You know right. it rhymes with Great. Eight nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it continues to be eight nothing. Here we go. Question number two. Actress Perry Gilpin played a sassy radio producer on the sitcom Frasier. I thought that was, was the her, answer. What was her character name? Sharon. <laughs> is it Roz? It is Roz. Oh. Do you remember the last name? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is Roz Doyle. Oh yes. Ooh. So that was a great show. I only it was watched such a great show. One season, I, I didn't realize I how much it. I missed that show. Yeah. And um, I liked. Uh, why am I forgetting her name? The one who played the British like, Daphne. Oh yeah, she was funny too. She, was she funny went on too. to be in that show with Betty White uh, and Valerie Bertinelli. Hot in Cleveland. By the way, I'm not sure if you've seen this, and I believe it's on Netflix, but it might be on Amazon Prime. I just watched a documentary about Betty White. Really, mm. and they they did a whole discussion. Obviously, they can't um, have any chats with her Golden Girls co-stars because she's the last one left. But they did have Valerie Bertinelli in there. They actually talked to Ryan Reynolds because she, uh, he was in a movie with her. Um, it was really great. So if you have a chance to check out the Betty White documentary, it's really good. Cool. Hey, if you have a chance to check out Valerie Bertinelli's cooking show, do it. Is it on YouTube or what? No, it's on um, Food Network. Oh, is it? Okay. It's very good. Does she make She's cakes? Just, she makes everything. And she makes everything look easy to make. So you're like, I'm going to do that. <sighs> Fancy. So give it a I, try. So, uh, before you move on, Sharon, sidebar, shout out to Sharon Highland because um, <laughs> on the weekend, uh, I was actually having a bit of a rough morning and uh, Sharon didn't even know this. Like, I was fine. I just, it wasn't clicking as it should on the radio. And so Sharon comes in with a piece of sweet potato pie, which legit made my life. And Ooh. honestly, Sharon, I don't know if it was all the ingredients in that pie, but like the show turned around immediately. And, when I, and when I left the, the radio station that day, I was like, that was a good show after you ate that pie. <laughs> so Sharon, every Sunday, I'm expecting ah. a piece of sweet potato pie. Oh, cool. It was 
uh, toot toot our own horn. We made sweet potato pie at at the instruction of um, Dorian Hunter, who is the winner of MasterChef, the most recent MasterChef. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's offering online classes. So if you were to follow her on social media, you'd be able to... To see when the next class is and what she's doing. But so far we've done with her um, lobster mac and cheese. Yeah. Oh. Totally whoa. And then this sweet potato pie, which we made the crust and everything. Oh, my God. It was so good. So good. And I maintain that if there's like a fruit or a vegetable in the thing, that it's good for you. You know, apple pie, <laughs> apple crumble, sweet potato pie, things like that. They're good for you. I'm down. Adam, mm-hmm. uh, do you cook things at home? I do. I love cooking. I did, Last weekend, I did six apple pies. Ooh, six? We did nice. six of them. Where was my piece on Sunday morning? <laughs> I don't work on Sunday mornings. There are still four left. Okay, so great. you might nice. still get your chance at it. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Did, uh, uh, just because I'm new to it, uh, did you make your own crust? We did not. Oh, we I highly not. recommend it because it's not hard at all. Really? It just takes a little bit of time. Yeah. I can give you some tips. Uh, I, I cannot. Do. I don't cook. I make salad. There we are. You don't, um, Kelly, you don't shit. cook? Oh, my God. Not well. No. I do have eating. A, I do have one. I do love eating. I have one go-to dish. I have a, uh, I make a good salmon, like a mm. baked salmon, but that's, nice. that's the end of it. And that's then again, good, should you like salad? I'm your girl. Nice. No. Yeah. Uh, so, are we excited for this Harry Thomason clip or what? Uh, yes. I so, do am. you want to give the people a little bit more background again, Sharon, on who Harry Thomason is? Well, Harry Thomason uh, was a very familiar name if you watched shows like Designing Women, Evening Shade, um, Hearts of Fire. He and his wife were this tag team duo of, uh, of her name is Linda Bloodworth Thomason. Uh, and they just, based on the conversation that we had with him, they just got things done, but not in a way that was in your face or anything. They just had ideas. They presented ideas. People were like, do it. They're like, all right. Um, so he now himself has a podcast, but also has written a book called Brother Dog, Southern, Southern Tales, and Hollywood. So we got to talk to him, and uh, here's a little bit of what that sounded like. The network was wanting to do this and that, and the studio was wanting to do a different thing. And one day the studio was over in our office meeting with us, and it just so happened that the network called Linda, and Linda said, uh, uh, said, you know what I'd really like to do, guys, is a show with some smart-ass women and, and some women that are not afraid to say things. And the network, ex- I mean, the studio executives were up around the poem, hushing her, trying to hush her and say, don't say that, don't say that. <laughs> and the guy on the other end of the line at CBS was saying, why don't you get in the car and come over here right now? And so we hung up, uh, got in the car with an studio executives with us and they were calling their boss and say, I think we might have sold something. I think we might have sold something. How cool is that? It was just such a positive experience to have him on. uh, We did it like everybody else is doing their interviews on Zoom. So uh, Kelly and I, I think, did our best not to look like, uh, you know, deer in the headlight, just excited to talk. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we were fangirling. But we talked about uh, the name of the book and where that came from. And he told this great story about um, about his dog mm-hmm. that basically was a member of the family 
that consider that how old is he, Kel? 85, 80? At somewhere. Uh, yeah, I'm blanking. There. Yeah. But we did the math on it. Yeah, he's 80, I think, because uh, he got teared up talking about this dog that, you know, basically passed away 65 years ago or so. Um, but he just w- had such a great emotional attachment to this dog, and he legit has this great connection to everything that he does, and we seem to tap into uh, quite a few of those things. And so you'll be able to find the full interview... At the end of this episode? <laughs> I think I built it up a little more, and you just sort of went flat on it. <laughs> All right. At the end of this the episode? End of this. There, yes! <laughs> yeah, it's totally worth the listen, because he's really engaging as a storyteller. Yeah, which, you know, which is great. And it, I think I think our interview with him will do wonders for the sale of his book. <laughs> That's exactly my thoughts. He tells a good story. It he was does. really He's fantastic. Great. And so, so uh, yeah, just a big thank you to Harry for making time for us. And, uh, yeah, we hope to actually speak to him again because I'm sure we could have talked to him for like three hours. So Oh, yeah. That, it was super cool. Mm-hmm. Now, we, uh, we've checked off the uh, cocaine use. Yeah, uh, we've checked off the uh, Harry Thomason interview, which again you'll catch at the end of this episode. Um, uh, but the one of our favorite blondes from the '90s is Gwen Stefani, who is teasing about some new music coming up. What's that all about, Kel? Well, she has, uh, I don't know if you remember, but her last solo album was actually a Christmas album back in 2017. Yeah. And so, And funny enough, she just released another Christmas tune, her cover of Sleigh Ride. It is absolutely fantastic. And I actually played it on a music segment that I do for the talk station that I work with. And I actually dared people. I said, I'm sure you're rolling your eyes right now when I tell you that Gwen Stefani has another Christmas tune. But I'm like, I dare you to not be happy. And sure enough, played it. And it was just like, it's it's amazing. Like her cover of Sleigh Ride just makes you happy. So do yourself a favor. Go get a, a copy of that. And uh, yeah, so she's going to be dropping some new music soon. It looks like a new album will hopefully be on the way. And I should mention, too, um, that it was recently the 25th anniversary of their debut album, uh, Tragic Kingdom. Isn't that wild? Wow. It's crazy. And she said that she actually had uh, several emotional days surrounding the anniversary because she couldn't believe like I guess it was just all coming back that it's 25 years the amount of love that they got from the fans how important that album was to their fans getting them through things and so I think it's great that she has such high regard for her time with no doubt in uh one of the uh first shows of the voice they were still in the blind auditions yeah that was um, uh this this Monday right yeah, yeah. well she talked about this uh, one of the audition this guy did a, a version of uh, Hemorrhage, Love Lies Bleeding by Fuel, and he was really good. And she said, you have tapped into my 90s feelings that I'm going to have to <laughs> call my therapist after this. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, she's really good on the voice, too. So until we get new music yeah. from uh, Gwen, uh, we can look forward to uh, just seeing her on our TV every week. And can I ride. just say something? Because yes. I watched The Voice, uh, the season debut that aired this week. Mm-hmm. How great does Gwen Stefani look? Oh, she's oh I know, right? How Fantastic. hot is she? She's smoking hot. Oh. Yeah. Blake Shelton <laughs> is a lucky dude. That's all I had to say. <laughs> Yeah, they Blake have Shelton great chemistry, the four of them, and yeah, yep. Blake, yep. Blake knows he's lucky, which is why he makes uh, quips and comments that he does. He's just, I think yep. they they suit they uh, complement each other really well. But you know Kelly funny? Clarkson I don't know if you is so funny on that show. Sorry, Adam. Mm-hmm. Kelly Clarkson is so funny on that oh, show. Oh, I know. Well. Oh my she god, she makes me laugh. Oh, um, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, 
so so Nick Jonas, I believe it was last season, was in for yep. Gwen, and yep. so th- when they did, and I'm I didn't watch the show last season, but I'm sure he did a great job. Like he's Nick Jonas, oh, he's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. But when they were promoting this season coming up with Gwen being back, uh, Blake did some interviews and like he could not stop gushing about having Gwen back so much so that I was like, if I was Nick Jonas, I'd feel a little like awkward, <laughs> like. Because he was just like, I can't wait for Gwen to come back. She's so amazing. We have such great chemistry, the four of us together. I'm like, okay, calm down. Like, I realize that she's your actual girlfriend, but simmer down there, bucko. <laughs> simmer down. That's, is that country talk, Kelly? Yeah, because he's from down, Oklahoma, bucko. so he understands that. That's farmer code. There you go. Okay, yeah, well, exactly. from one to another, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so with uh, Gwen in mind, then, our top two for this show will be... What are your top two favorite songs from No Doubt? This is a tough one, Sharon. <sighs> I know. So much so that I'm making Adam start. <laughs> okay. I, I don't mind going first. Go, Adam. Okay, go. Um, I'll, I'll keep my favorite one for, for second. So my second favorite song from No Doubt would have to be their uh, It's My Life cover. Oh, yeah. Excellent. I love that. We play that a lot on our radio station here. I love that song. And my number one has to be Hella Good. Makes me groove. Yeah, because I, you know what? We're on the same page on that one because mm-hmm. I picked one from the 90s to qualify the fact that my second one was not. So I went with Just a Girl because <laughs> the energy on it's fantastic and the message is solid. But yeah. even more than that, Hella Good is, is like, yes, turn it up, listen, yeah. and then listen again. Yeah. Love it. What year was Look- it released? 2001. Looks like we're all in agreement because really? uh, I'll come back to Hella Good, but I, I went with Don't Speak. Mm-hmm. Nice. Because yeah. that's a solid tune. And she's really good. And I for some reason, the video really resonated with me when it came out. Like, it was just beautifully, especially because I think we're used to her jumping around the stage all the time. And then just seeing her kind of, like, calm and really pumping out the vocals was amazing. And then, yeah, hella good. I'm sorry. Like, it's crazy. And I know Sharon hates remixes, but there's some serious, sick remixes of hella good. Really? So if you need wow. to, like, have some good gym music... Just search like hella good remixes because it's it's happening. It's almost as good as your thunder push, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll thank you not to talk about my thunder push, Cal. <laughs> oh, as I mentioned earlier, this toque is a wee bit tight. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? We've reached the end, which is fantastic in a great way. <laughs> you know why? Because going. it gets it gets people closer to listening to the full Harry Thomason interview. It's true. Lucky them. Lucky them. Lucky us. Uh, thank you, Adam. Thank You're you, welcome. Kelly. And thanks to everybody for listening and following along and uh, finding us wherever you do. We appreciate that. And staying in touch, if you want to share what your top two favorite songs from No Doubt are, send us a message on any of the social platforms, and uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, so on behalf of the group and Thunderpuss, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to 90s Now, still happening. All right. Joining us on the show is award-winning producer-director of TVs, movies, uh, TV shows, rather, including three of the biggest hit TV shows in the 90s, Designing Women, Evening Shade, and Hearts of Fire. And everybody, please welcome Harry Thomason. How are you? I'm fine. How are you guys? And it's, uh, it's, Thank you for letting me be on your show. 
Oh, we're happy to have you. Thanks for being here. Like, <laughs> I think we might need more bandwidth <laughs> to cover all of the things that you have done in your career, but we want to make sure that we get to, get to talking about your podcast too. Uh, we know you got something pretty cool coming up uh, in the next few days, which is cool, uh, but we do want to talk about uh, things that affect uh, our podcast, which is the 90s. Um, so Kel, why don't you start us off? Well, Harry, I always wanted to know, be, being a part of those, those three shows, Designing Women, Hearts of Fire, and Evening Shade, um, in the 90s, what was the best aspect of, of producing television at that point? You know, really the best aspect was that there were uh, not as many places to watch TV shows as there is now. And it's hard to have a water cooler show anymore. Like, those were water cooler shows, in effect, where... After they air, you gather around the next morning, the water cooler, and talk about them. Today, there's such a variety of shows, which is not bad, but it keeps any show from uh, becoming part of the culture. I mean, it, it's much tougher. Some make it, and that's, that's tremendous, but they make it with a lot fewer people than it took to make it with an anonymous. But it was an exciting time. And when you were uh, a part of the shows, like, how did you go about, let's say, putting together Designing Women? Because I remember, like you said, that was, that was appointment tuning for me, and I loved all the characters. So was that your baby kind of thing? Well, it was my wife, Linda's baby. And, and it's funny how, I mean, I mean, she sold it by the network was wanting to do this and that, and the studio was wanting to do a different thing. And one day, the studio was over in our office meeting with us and it just so happened that the network called Linda and Linda said uh uh said you know what I'd really like to do guys is a show with some smart ass women and and some women that are not afraid to say things and the network I mean the studio executives were up around the phone hushing her trying to hush her and say don't say that don't say that <laughs> and the guy on the other end of the line at CBS was saying why don't you get in the car and come over here right now? And so we hung up, uh, got in the car with a studio executives with us, and they were calling their boss and say, I think we might have sold something. I think we might have sold something. Oh, and wow. we get over to the to CBS, which is across the hill from the valley here, and uh, we go in a room, and uh, uh, the, the young executive said, I really like the idea for the show, and I think we want to do that. And about that time, uh, Harvey, the, the president of the network, walked into the room and uh, the guy said, Linda's over here with the guys and, and this is a show I think she wants to do. And said, Linda, tell him. And Linda told him in one sentence, oh, it's about a bunch of smart ass women and we don't know exactly what they do yet. And he said, what's going to be the name of it? And she said, I don't know, maybe Designing Women? And they own a design firm or something like that. He said, we'll buy it. <laughs> and good luck and walk out of the room. And that was it. That's how the show was sold. So it doesn't oh happen gosh. that way much anymore. No you know. kidding. <laughs> right. That's amazing. But after nine shows, uh, Linda's mother, you know, mother had uh, blood-induced, blood transfusion-induced AIDS, one of the first people to contact AIDS. So Linda had to go back to the state of Missouri and stay with her and try to take care of her and right from there. <clears throat> which is another whole story in itself. But so the, uh, the network presence changed and the new guy was going to cancel the show. And he told me, and I said, well, I'm not going to tell Linda. And I said, well, he said, it's just 
it's been, it's about seven or eight episodes in. It's not doing all that well and money's short. And I said, well, we're going to try to save it. And he said, oh, go ahead, do anything you want to do. And so it was before the network existed, but we sort of invented the network. We put together groups around the country and they pledged because they love the show from the fan letters we'd gotten. And then they put groups together and then we would make one conference call to the group heads who would then make calls to their people. And we suddenly, we, we said, we've got to generate letters and save this show. I asked the networks, I said, what, how many letters does it take to let you know people are interested in the show? And they said, 4,000. And I told the guys, I said, we've got to beat this. We've got to do better than this. And I said, and, and, and a woman called from Oklahoma. And she said, here's what you also ought to do. You ought to have put the name of the president of the network, it's Bud Grant by now, who we ended up loving, on the letter. So that way they have to deliver the letter to Bud Grant. The post office does, not just address it to CBS. So we put the word out. And three days later, a special truck arrived from the post office with three of these big bags of mail for Harvey I mean, I mean, for uh, Bud Grant, uh, you know, the president of the network. And he said, Harry, what's going on? I said, you said save the show. And you said 4,000 was good. And he said, well, I've got 6,000 today and they all have my name on them. So which means my secretaries have to open them and respond to them in some way in case there's an important letter in there. And I said, well, just stand by. And the next day <laughs> he got another 16,000 letters that week. Oh, wow. And he, and he was mad at me by now. He said, quit it. You've got to call it off. And I said, just pick up the show. <clears throat> by the end of the next week, he had 40,000 letters. And he <laughs> called and he was so mad. But he said, Harry, just get the women. There's a limo I'm sending for you. Get the women in the limo and send them over here. And just have them stand outside the network. At, I mean, at the front of the network, front of CBS. And I said, okay, well, I'll do it. And we got the women from, from rehearsal put them in the car, drove the chauffeur, drove them over, drove us all over to CBS. We got out in front and we stood in front of the building. And in a few minutes, Bud Grant and his two vice presidents came out of the building. Bud Grant was in the center and he was carrying something and we couldn't tell what it was. But he walks to the flagpole, he attaches his thing to the flagpole and he runs us this big white flag and just turns and walks back in. <laughs> and... <laughs> By the time we got back to the studio, the attorneys were already negotiating the new deal. Oh, fantastic. So that's how that's how it all happened. That's amazing. That's like grassroots social networking. <laughs> it was. It was the internet before there was the internet. No kidding. You know, so. wow. But it was filled with interesting things like that and a bunch of wonderful actresses that we loved and still love. And uh, Harry, when and, it came uh, to when it came to still talk to them. Harry, when I'm it came sorry. to casting the show, like, how did you know which actors, actresses you wanted? Because, you, again, you had such an eclectic mix with, like, Dixie Carter and Delta Burke and Annie Potts. Like, so amazing. Linda had already used them. or knew, I mean, she didn't, hadn't used them, but one, I think she had done a show with long before that, and the other, she just knew what she wanted. And uh, when we were at that meeting where they said, do the show, uh, and, and the guy from CBS said, who's going to be in it? And she named them like that. Oh, wow. Now, one of them, they're casting, Delta Burt, their casting director didn't know her and said, no, we better go with somebody else. And so we went for a week with someone else who was a lovely actress too, but it wasn't Delta. And then they called and said, okay, you were right. We've seen enough film on Delta now and Delta. 
thank gosh. So wow, isn't that great to hear uh, from executives? Yeah, you were oh right. Oh my gosh, I mean, <laughs> you know, that stuff you almost never hear it, but it was so great, and and it it did the show well. I mean, you know, it's uh, I mean, we got we got letters from the far right and the far left, and it was just everybody sort of met in the center on that show. As Most of those shows do. now you couldn't do because the network standards have changed so much. But that's why the big networks are having trouble. I, I think you're right. Shows. Indeed. When you think of even a show going further back, like an All in the Family, how it's it was so out there and so honest. And to think, oh, we couldn't run that show now on regular. Yeah, but you like, should. Now's the time exactly. you should be running. Precisely. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just babbling on. And on. <laughs> oh, okay. no. No, keep it up. <laughs> I wonder, uh, where are you from originally? Because it doesn't sound like your accent is from Los Angeles. <laughs> no, I'm from I'm from South Arkansas, right on the Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas line. So, so um, in my memory, uh, the politics as a character, the music as a sub-character on uh, all of your shows, um, how far back into your own... Uh, history let's say how much of your history did you bring to the show in from a southern perspective i think of designing women was so beautifully well, yeah. southern uh linda was didn't live in arkansas but all of her family had her her grandfather had fled the ku klux klan shooting him and they just moved five or ten miles across the line into missouri and but so she was always sort of southern by nature and uh and i have on that show, I had not much to do. I directed it, but didn't have much creatively to do with it because it was all her. But she did take a lot of things and tells that I told her, and she would uh, uh, turn, them in, turn them in the shows. And because she was a brilliant, and still is a brilliant writer. And you'll probably get a chance to see Designing Women again. Oh, yes? That's a pretty good tease, right? <laughs> That's a really good one. How so, sir? <laughs> <clears throat> well, what it is, I think you'll see... Uh, uh, we are scheduled to open at a theater called Theater Squared in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It was, it's the most fantastic theater I've ever seen. It's brand new and it's 30, they've spent almost $40 million to build the theater. Wow. And the Walton grandchildren paid for most of it, which is a funny story in itself, how they came, came to be. But, uh, the show will premiere, premiere there on April the 15th. It's called the designing women the play and then it will move from there to three other theaters and then on to broadway after that oh how so exciting we, we hope this april the april the 14th rather date remains stable but i mean you know with the world we're living in we're not as smart as canada <laughs> and we have it as well and uh so we don't know but but we're still planning on april the 14th and so are the theater people and Harry, where did the idea come? Because I just found out just before our interview today that there's going to be a table read for Designing Women uh, coming up in just a couple of days, which I think is amazing. And, and uh, at least a couple of the original actors are going to be, or actresses yeah. are going to be part of that, which is amazing. Can you tell us about it? They are. And uh, Sony called. <clears throat> and, you know, they made a deal with Hulu. I, I apologize. My throat is dry for some reason, you know. No worries. Worried after the power went out and got <laughs> back on the air with you guys. But uh, uh, Sony called and said, we want to do this. And, and then Hulu's going to run it. And then we'll put it out on, we'll put it out everywhere. And so they did the original pilot, you know. And uh, 
There were a couple of lines I even had to argue about on it where we could do those lines a day or not, but we did them. I mean, okay. Linda says no. It's, you know, it was important then to show the difference in people, and it's important now. And uh, uh, it's it's pretty funny, but it's a table read, which is not the same to me, but it's still funny. And everybody. That's it, what's really cool about that from uh, from we live in the in Montreal, which is the host city of a festival called Just for Laughs, and one of the elements that they do as part of this festival that this year was not didn't happen as usual obviously but they they will have a show come in and uh and do a read so all the characters will come in and so family guy did it one year uh that kind of thing so i think people love to see uh almost like the characters come to life in a table read setting like that well it's true it gives them a hint of what happens when you start these things and how it is backstage so i think that makes it very i think that makes it very interesting to people that's neat. Um, I wonder, you, you obviously work quite a bit with your wife and have for a very long time now. Um, do you find you're always working? Uh, well, we haven't been lately because of the pandemic, but uh, yeah, we, we uh, I love to work. She comes up with ideas and sells them, and I'm lucky enough to get to participate and uh, direct quite a few of them. And uh, and uh, help keep the cast under control. <laughs> sometimes when you're working with guys like Burt Reynolds. Oh, yeah. I wonder, I, I wonder about that, the, the, the level of ego uh, or the uh, nurturing of ego, perhaps, in some cases, like uh, I think of like a Dixie Carter, too. Her character was strong. You could tell that the, the delivery of it was strong. Were a lot of the uh, um, characteristics drawn from their own or were they truly acting well they were uh dixie was terribly strong but she's she's one it was always a pleasure to work with well all of them were all of them were including uh some that people thought we didn't get along with and and, and we did you know uh bird it was a it was like a bert reynolds on that show it was a different thing and uh but bird played uh, football and I, in my last career, I was a football coach. So he always called me coach. And but we had a couple little tussling matches, but we always laughed about it. And that was part of the reason we got along. I think. I mean, you know, he wouldn't have liked me if I hadn't, uh, you know, <laughs> drawn a line in the sand somewhere because yeah. that's just not who Bert was. And but uh, uh, it's it's most actors and actresses are a pleasure to work with. Rarely. Have I met someone that, well, I never want to work with that person again. Though I'm sure there must be some. I just haven't had the unpleasure of working with them. <laughs> Good. Harry, <laughs> was, it, was it hard to budget your time in, in the early 90s? Because I know that some of those three shows actually overlapped with each other. Like, you know, and I'm just wondering if you and Linda ever slept. We, we <laughs> didn't much, really. I mean, uh, you know, uh, but it was because all three were running at the same time. But it was... Uh, but it was, it was exciting. It was exciting. And I didn't mind not sleeping for those reasons. I don't I mind not sleeping when we're not working. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to ask you too, and I, I'm sure Sharon is interested as well, obviously with the political climate that's going on right now and, and the election's not that far away. 
Um, I know that you had a, a close association with the Clintons. Like, what's your take on on what's going on right now in, in America with politics and, and how much it's changed since you were a part of the presidential campaign for President Clinton? Well, I can. the best way I can tell you that is to tell you that I was on the debate committee also and where the candidates would debate. And there were Republicans on the debate committee. And, you know, and when we were out in debate, we would all go out to dinner together the night before, and we'd talk to each other. And we even played a little practical joke on Ross Perot when he was running against <laughs> Bush and Clinton. I mean, together we did. And, you know, and it was such a different time. I, I just can't imagine how it turned this dark in this short amount of time. But uh, uh, I'm hoping that it will turn back the other way. And I, I think it can, but I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while. You know, and we we've already got our place in Canada picked to move to. Oh, good! <laughs> I hope it's Montreal. <laughs> it's good to have a Plan B. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. It's it is interesting though politically how uh, how such a U turn it took and real quick it seems. Well, I uh, you know I promise I won't discuss political things. Uh, I mean, you know about which Canada I was for, but I don't think. You would have to guess too hard to, to figure that out. And uh, I uh, had some experience with the current president, and not not experience directly with him, but with one of his uh, very close friends about 30 years ago. And so I made up my mind then, well, this guy ever runs for anything, he won't get my vote. Yeah. So. Was it for, for you, Harry, um, you know, obviously when you're working on, on a sitcom, it's, I think, a whole uh, different set of skill sets maybe or, or a different place your mind needs to be with regards to then working on a political campaign like you did for the Clintons. Like, did you enjoy kind of having one outlet and then doing another thing? So it, it kind of gave you a bit of freedom? Well, we, we, en we enjoyed politics. And yeah, and it, and it was a change. Like, we were fortunate enough, we spent you know, like over a hundred nights at the White House. And so it was just good. But but, but uh, Bill Clinton, uh, as I mentioned in my uh, book, I mean, you know, he, and I don't talk about him much in the book I wrote, but we've been friends for such a, such a long time. It's because my brother, who's retired as a doctor in Little Rock, but when he started out, he was teaching biology in Bill Clinton's hometown. And he called, and it was before Clinton went off to, to England to go to school, and my brother called me one, and they they met in an all night restaurant, and so they'd meet about eleven o'clock at night and talk about things, history and politics, till long after midnight. And so my brother finally called me and said, "Hey, I help. There's this guy named Bill Clinton, and I want you to meet him because he's going to be president someday." And I said, "You're telling me that you meet with a guy." <laughs> who tells you he's going to be president someday and you think he's sane? You know? And he said, no, he's, he's going to be president. I want you to meet him at Thanksgiving. So he brought him to our place for Thanksgiving. And uh, and we talked and we were together all day. And, and once he drove back from Little Rock, where I was coaching then, to Hot Springs, he called and he said, my brother did, and said, well, what do you think? And I said, he's going to be president someday. And that was just... There was never any doubt wow. in our minds that he was going to be president. That's, That's incredible. <laughs> Were you a part of any of Hillary's uh, campaign four years ago, Harry? 
We, uh, you know, we uh, were not uh, too much apart. We did a film that was great. And and uh, not her, but her staff got sort of worried that, well, this film is too much about women and she's going to get all the women. And so we better not run it during the campaign, you know. And so we're always radical. I mean, I, I didn't want to bother and we didn't want to bother Hillary with it, but we're always radical. So we just put it up on the Internet where it got uh, about 12 million hits in, in a few days. And but it was. Uh, but it was too late and, and, you know, and women didn't go far like their, uh, you know, their polling was showing. And we were getting polling from a feminist group out here, which was showing exactly what was going on. And so, but, uh, so, but we love them both and would support them in anything they do. Um, what was the name of that movie? Shoulders. Nice. Is it still available? Uh, I'm sure if you go on the internet and look up shoulders, that it'll come up. Yeah. Totally going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> great. Now, I think we should probably talk about your book. Yes. I love the title is pretty amazing. Oh, uh, well, it's this. I don't know if you can see that or not. Oh, but, that's great. Oh, yeah. But it's just, uh, it's just a book about, it's actually about growing up in a small southern town. And, you know, about what life was like then. And the people I ran across, it really, the book sort of ends once I get to Hollywood. I tell a few stories about Hollywood, but but it's sort of like my podcast. Each story is sort of a unit, though they all tie together, of what it's like growing up in a small town and who I met along the way, you know. Uh, and that included everybody from Elvis Presley to, uh, to uh, you name it, you know. Wow. And uh, then I had the pleasure of once I had been working at Sony, they wanted me to shoot. They said, we want you to do the Blue and the Gray, this 10-hour miniseries. And they said, then go out with the other producers and you guys find a place to shoot it. So we traveled the country and couldn't find a place to shoot it. And so the, the Englishman who was head of Sony said, well, I don't know what we're going to do then. We can't even find a place to shoot it. And I just said, you know, Mr. Freeman, we can go back to Arkansas and shoot all of this, every location and everything. He said, he was from London and he said, how do you get to Arkansas? <laughs> Which was not enough. <laughs> and I said, just trust me, I'll bring you photos and we'll go. And I brought him back some photos. I went home that weekend to Arkansas and I gathered all this stuff up and brought him and he looked at him and he said, okay, Harry, we're gonna shoot it in Arkansas. And it's, remember this budget is 32 million. And he said, if anything goes wrong, said so you're never going to work in this town again. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was sort of scary. So we went there. It went perfectly. And, and of course, we had such a wonderful people as Gregory Peck, one of the, my favorite human beings. I mean, he was as nice as you think he was. And, and, and uh, uh, everybody else, um, any name value was in the thing. And it all went so well, and we got this Englishman to come there during the time we were shooting, and we took him out for a barbecue, and he stood around on the set, and he went around the town, uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, where it was. we were based. And then it, after that, every time I would be walking down the hall at Sony and he would see me, he would shout from his office, said, Harry, when are you going to find another film we can shoot in Arkansas? And uh -huh. so it was, it was good. It was good. 
What a nice moment that must have been for you. It was. It was. <laughs> and it was, Harry, that was such a great movie. I remember watching it as a kid, The Blue and the Gray. I thought it was fantastic as a kid. And so it's really an honor to actually speak to the person who was behind well, it. Well, Stacey Teach was fabulous. Everybody in it was fabulous. Uh, um, it, it, it was such a good thing. It went on for weeks and weeks. There was never a bobble. Well, even, well, there was only one uh, uh, when, uh, well, his name just flew out of my mind. Didn't agree on how many buttons Grant's coat had on it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, so everybody was committed to the details, which everybody might be a bad thing. Everybody was committed to the details. <laughs> and on um, this one, to get the guy to come out of his dressing room and work, we had, I said, look, if we call the Smithsonian Institute right now, and they tell us, will you go by what they say? And he said, uh, yes. And so we called the Smithsonian, and they said he was right. And so we changed the buttons. And- oh, wow. Well, that's good. That's, a, that's incredible. I think that that's a, just that story alone is a wonderful segue into talking about your podcast. Which oh, is the- podcast. That's, that's something I, I just uh, I, I love doing because I was a – I was a high school football coach for all this, but I also had a little, I had graduate work in history and I taught history too. And so along with coaching, and I just love to tell these stories to my classes and it would keep them mesmerized. And, and they're just wonderful stories about things you never know. Like most people in this country or any other country, they know John Wilkes Booth assassinated Abraham Lincoln, but they don't know that John Wilkes Booth saved Lincoln's son's life. So it's uh, it's just things you never heard. Wow! Now you don't know about Telly Savalas, the actor and a and a ghost that haunted him and helped him out when he and you know and he's and he, I presume it was true. He truly believed it. He truly believed it. And uh, and they're they're about dogs that were war heroes. I mean, and saved so many American lives in World War One. It was it was impossible to calculate them and how General George, uh, I mean, how General John J. Perishing awarded him the highest medal in the land and, and things like that, that you've just, you never know, you know. Both of my grandfathers were storytellers and when my brother and my cousin there would spend the night at their house out in the country, we would all sleep around the fireplace and our grandfathers would stay in the room and they would tell us stories till well after midnight and we never forgot them. And, you know, we never, we just thought there was no internet then, but now there's an internet. And so you can go to this site, look at these stories. You don't have to pay a thing. There are at least 55 up now, and we do one a week, and you can listen to anyone you want, anytime you want. And uh, I just, I love giving people information they don't have and, and that nobody else will know, so they can tell the story too. Well, I think it's a, a nice uh a tribute to your grandfathers and certainly a, a trait that they've passed on to you to come on screen with us today, have a conversation with two people you've never met before. And instead of it being an interview, it's turned into a chat. So oh, thank well, you. Sorry. I, I think probably what you're really saying, this guy will not quit blathering. But <laughs> no, I, I, I feel like I could just listen. Be here and I, and, and, you know, and I, I love what I do. I love well, coaching too. So, but I've loved everything I've done in my life. But. I, and you know what? I think from the work that we've seen and uh, the pod th- the podcast that we will listen to, uh, and the book that we'll get, undoubtedly will uh, will reflect that. We appreciate that uh, 
that your approach is is so honest and and inspired. By the way, the podcast is called The Story You Never Heard. And you can just go to that or go to any of the big platforms. Everybody carries it. Almost everybody carries the the story you never heard. So well, we're going to look for that, and uh, it'll be like where our conversation has extended itself. So thank you very much. Uh, and just to be sure that um, that everybody listening knows, the podcast, again, The Story You Never Heard, and the book is called Brother Dog, Southern, Ta- Southern Tales and Hollywood Adventures. Right. Are you Brother Dog? Uh, no. When my brother, uh, my, my little brother was born, when I was born, my father... My grandfather gave me a bulldog named Ted, and it's Ted. And then Ted, my brother came along, and so my brother and Ted, the bulldog, and I, we considered all three of us brothers. And Ted lasted until I was a senior, a senior in high school. And so wow. I just wow. figured he, I'm sorry, got me through wow. my life. That's and so sweet. You know, oh my gosh. He was always there to defend me. I mean, there was nothing. You know, in the first grade, before I started the first grade, I was five years old, and I wandered onto the school ground, and he went with me, and uh, uh, I was jumped by two first graders that were twins, and they <laughs> and I'd never seen twins before, so I couldn't figure it out, and they yeah. were trying to push me around and so forth, and finally Ted took one of them and dragged him off and held him by those legs so I could deal with another guy. But the teachers came out and said, you people get in the principal's office right now. They didn't realize I go to school there. So I went in the principal's office and the principal knew my parents from their grocery store. And he looked and the teacher said, these people were fighting on the school ground. They should have detainment or you should do something to them. He said, well, I can handle those two, but said the dog, who we looked, and he was at the door, glass door, looking in up on his wall, just to make sure everything was going. But the, the, and the kid, I can't, because they live across the street from the street. If <laughs> you would just walk him back over to their yard and knock on the door and tell his mother, I would appreciate it. So, <laughs> brother no. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much, Harry, for your time. We really appreciate it. I gave you more of my time than oh, you. Oh, man. I'm aware of that, but I'll do it any time, guys. Thank you. We're, ha- we're happy to have you ha- back because I'm sure we have way more questions. So we'll keep in touch with Carol. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much, Harry. It was great chatting with you. Okay. Thank you very much, guys.